Pulls up the three. Boom! Knocks it down. Curry from the corner at three. Puts it in. For overtime. Makes it. Garrett. Welcome to the MVP cast from me, Mark Woods. Thank you so much as always for joining us. Just a reminder, if you want a regular digest of exclusive news and insights from around British basketball, direct into your inbox. Subscribe to our newsletter, The Post Up. You can head to mvp247.com, go to the newsletter page and subscribe today. Now, our guest is the youngest head coach in the Women's British Basketball League, but not only that, She's a player too as well, pulling double duty her first season at that at the Oakland's Wolves. Lauren Milligan, thanks for joining us and welcome to the MVP cast. No problem. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm excited about this one. D- double duty. You must be a glutton for punishment. <laughs> People do laugh about it when we're at practice. They're like, I try and worm my way and I say, well... If someone says it's our ball, I'm like, no, I'm the coach, it's our ball. <laughs> so I do laugh about it. I've now got a bit more um, rights in what we're doing, but it's the duty of it, isn't it? It's the fun of it. <laughs> go, I mean, go back, you're 26 years of age, um, yeah. which most people would be quite happy, you know, playing, maybe taking a bit of a, you know, a community type coaching role on in the spare time. What was the th- what was the thinking? I mean, obviously Lee Ryan's been, is still around to sort of head of the, the programme at Oakland's, but... What was the pitch, or where did it all come about that you end up as head coach of a WBBL team this season? <laughs> well, um, obviously, I did the WEABL, and for people that don't know, that's um, the like college league in England. Mm. So it's the top college league for the girls to play in. Um, I did that last year, so a lot of our kids were. Um, obviously familiar with me I knew our kids very well I had a good relationship with all of them um and the college sort of took a different direction that they wanted the team base to be based on more kids they wanted the kids to play more um because obviously we're based out of there and they're like we want if we're giving this funding to you guys we want our kids to be in the limelight and the show so um it just sort of came down to that really who would be best with the girls at that time um Lee's been obviously coaching for years. He's very experienced um, coaching top levels. So he just thought it was a perfect timing for me to come in and learn. Um, I've still got a lot to learn. As you said, I'm the youngest coach in the league. So I'm not perfect myself. And the girls were who come back to us were willing to help me along that road. And it just seemed like perfect fit, really, for a new coach to step in and try it. It's the perfect year to do it. So... Yeah, that's how it all came around, really. Was there ever a moment where you kind of, when this is floating in the air, this idea that you think, no, it's too soon, I'm too young, you know, I should, I should probably wait a few years to do this? Um, yeah, obviously, I think when something so big is presented to you, there's always, you've got to think about the pros and cons to everything. Um, I've got a lot of mentors around me that I had conversations with, and obviously, when I first told people, they were shocked, like, wow, Lauren, do you really know what you're going to get into? And sort of broke things down to me. Um, but it's just, I just felt if I didn't give this opportunity a try, then I'd be no less off. Do you know what I mean? I, it's This opportunity is not going to come around um, often. So I just felt if I didn't take it and see where it took me, then I'd be silly. 
Um, the fact that I was trusted and even asked to do the role was just amazing within itself. So um, I think it was just out of respect for the people around me that I should take it. So yeah, it just made sense and it all fell into place. Of course, there was doubt in my mind, but it was more doubt about what everyone else would be saying rather than um, I wasn't really doubting myself in the role. I know I can do it. I know I'm good for the girls. I know I know the game of basketball very well. I know I've been in high um, collab teams, played at a high level, so I knew that I could do it, um, and especially with the support around me. But it was more at the time, what is everyone else going to think? Um, <laughs> but once I got in, you know, expectations and things like that, like, will everyone see us with this young team and just be like, what are they doing? But once I got over that hump and realised actually it's not about what everyone else thinks, it's about my journey as a coach, it's about the team, it's about Oakland's and the direction we want to go. Um, once I got over that hurdle, it was I was so excited and just couldn't really believe it. So it just exploded on Twitter when the news came out um, and I was obviously overwhelmed by the support. Um, but yeah, just enjoying the ride now. How's that, how's that transitioned you know, because you know, you've got it's quite a young squad I mean you've sort of five senior players effectively and a, you know, a lot of juniors around it but you know some of these players were your teammates friends last season now you're the boss well, how, how's that relationship shift yeah I mean um it's the main question I'm getting asked but when I was player I was always very vocal anyway even within timeouts and things obviously they would um, say some things and I'd always back it up and have stuff to say and um, was always that vocal player anyway so the shift for the girls the five seniors in particular I think it's not actually that as big as people think um, obviously there has to be times and places where I hold them accountable which I wouldn't have done when I was a player but we've all sat down before the season and spoke look it's uh, we're going to be friends at the end of the day everything I'm doing for you guys is as coach Lauren it's not because I don't like you it's not because of this and we all figured it out that it's going to work and they all respect me enough I respect them enough to know there's time and places where I've got to tell them straight and other times like I am still their friend and I am still their teammate ultimately so it's a cool balance to have I mean it does get hard because um, <laughs> obviously like you said I played for them all last season as just the player um, but yeah, I think we've all handled it really well. We all, we've sat down and we've had many discussions about things and we're open to each other. If there is something that they don't agree with or whatever, they come to me and I can come to them. So it's perfect, really. I couldn't ask for a better bunch of people to start my professional coaching career with. Has there been any material shift? Because I know in speaking to, to other people who have gone from player to, to player coach in, over, you know, in this country, there's quite a lot of them have created that boundary or barriers i mean i know that there's one player coach i recall in the bbl who having been a very sociable person with his teammates when they were just teammates immediately that was one thing he didn't do he never socialized and that was that was yeah. the barrier because it was a different job and a different dynamic is, is there anything you find yourself kind of changing just to create that separation or you know has it um, well, there's yeah, things like, um, yeah, there's things, it's normally off-court things. So when I'm on the court, I don't feel a massive change. It's off-court things I do have to think about a lot more. For example, like they have um, a team group chat and I opted to be 
not involved with it just because I feel they need some space to just talk about things other than basketball and that's their time I don't know like we used to have a group chat and sometimes you'd want to put in it about how annoying the game was and you know why the coach shoved me out at this point um so things like that's a bit different so I'm not in stuff like that um obviously with the seniors because they were my friends last year and they're all over 18 um we do still have I mean I even live with Lizzie um so we still do have that social side um but when we're in practice it's definitely I have to be conscious of um having that barrier um but yeah I it's like I said it's I'm not going to not socialize with them because ultimately they are my friends still and I am still a player so I still have that relationship with a few of the girls on the team um it's just when we go to practice they all know like I've got to put that coaching hat on um but we've done really well with that transition so yeah I don't know it doesn't feel massively different to me I guess it's because I'm still young as well so um, the players do still have that dynamic with me. They feel they can tell me stuff that they might not necessarily tell a coach that was a bit older and things like that. They still do see me as um, a person they can speak to about things like that. Um, and I, as a coach, I I like that. I like that my players can come to me and be open with me. I've always respected coaches that have allowed people to do that. And the best coaches I've played for, I've had a good relationship with. So, um that's how I want to be with my players. So, yeah. Back to first principles of Oakland's college. For those of us who don't know or aren't, aren't immersed in the setup, explain basketball there as, as, as a programme. Yeah, so um, we obviously, we want to develop younger players in England. Um, we feel it's a space that's been massively overlooked recently over the past few years. Um, and obviously we want to develop them in going into senior squads, things like that. We are seeing this previous year that we did have some younger girls pulled up to the squad to play, which is awesome. Um, and we want to just be the start of that, um, putting them in that uh, sort of professional performance environment from a young age. So they know they're not just chucked at it when they're 18, 20 years old and shocked. They're ready from 16 years old. Um, we try not to... Obviously, it can be overwhelming at times, but we do want to push them out of their comfort zones um, because obviously, ultimately, the next stage of you want to go professional or, you know, play at a high standard level basketball, you have to be ready to do that. So um, that's what we're trying to do at Oakland. It's a very family-based environment. We're very close. The girls obviously have to trust you as a coach to be pushed. Um, but that's ultimately the goal. We want players to come to us and leave us better. So even if it's a person as a player, it's amazing to see. We've got one kid with us at the moment, Daisy Porter in particular, last year. The steps and things that she's made is absolutely unreal to watch her playing in the WEABL now at her own age group. She's just killing it. Um, and that's the things that makes me proud and makes me keep wanting to do this because it's just cool to see a kid that came to us and obviously she came to us and had some skill but to see the progression she's made um is what we're all about really i mean you've got a very aligned setup you know with you know creating you know the opportunity for players under 19 in that and then moving into the professional game i mean describe a typical week i mean you know between wbbl 
WABL, the college, what's a typical week look like for you? So um, Mondays, so we have a couple of our seniors play for uni as well, Hearts Uni. So Mondays we have separate practices. So I have just the kids squad. So I just have WABL and then the uni girls go off and do uni training. So the seniors aren't involved in that. So they have their Monday session where it's just them. Um, they have gym sessions on Mondays too. Um, then from Tuesday onwards, we have like an hour's individual with separate groups. Um, and then we have team practice and lift again. Wednesday is game day, so the uni girls go and play for the uni. Then I have the WABL girls on a Wednesday and we go play in the college league. Um, Thursdays, same thing, individuals, team practice, lift. Friday is a team practice again, but it's more both um, on scout. So we look through some video, prepare for our game on the weekends and then play Saturday, rest day, Sunday. So it is full on. Um, the kids definitely, when you first come to us, obviously trying to balance work, social life, school, basketball. Um, it's a big thing and it's a big ask for them. <clears throat> so a lot of the kids, some weeks do come to us and just ask for, you know, can I miss individual today because I need to catch on, up on work. We still have a academics first policy. You can't train with us unless your attendance is 90% and above. Like we keep track of all that stuff. Um, so it is full on, but it's what we want to prepare the kids for because if you were to go to the States to play or go to a uni over here, and play for a professional team over here in reality you are practicing every day um you need to be ready for that whether that's you know ice baths getting ready we're trying to teach them everything they need to do to make sure that they're prepared for the those days the long hard grind days <laughs> one of the things that people have always looked at academies and in, in this country and especially the well set well set up ones like yourselves and barking adam barking abbey is you would compare it to the States and your know, kids are coming in, give or take 15, 16 years of age. And the real difference is in America, those kids have been coached and they've been playing almost competitively already for a few years. Here they're coming in and there's that, they're probably a couple of years behind. Mm -hmm. what's, what's the kind of trick for you in terms of skills development to try and get those kids to all on the same level, but, educated in the fundamentals of the game and, and you know because we know some kids will arrive with good fundamentals and I'm sure others don't yeah yeah so it's for us it's a lot about um the mindset like you're gonna get what you put in um so for example you can do as many individuals with a kid as you like but if they're not invested in the mindset and they're not ready to put that out there on game day on Wednesdays like you're not going to get anything out of it so for me it's starting with making them realize what a performance mindset is and how to compete because a lot of kids these days um they come in and they're not sure don't know how to put this in a polite way they've been given a lot of stuff basically like they don't have that um sort of just toughness so for me as a player I'm, I don't know if you've ever seen me play like mm. I'm all about just competing you can't control whether the ball goes in the basket that day you could be missing everything it could be zero from 19 but you have to compete and that's the first thing that we teach our kids um, obviously in individuals that's when we do fundamentals and skills but again if you don't have the mindset if you're not ready to compete and work hard for every single thing every single play 
then I don't even want to coach you anyway. If we're not the ones diving on the floor first, um, if you're not screaming for your teammates when they get an and one, all of that type of things that comes with that performance environment, I think that's key to creating a kid that's going to come out on top. How tough are those conversations? Because you're going to have those tricky moments where you have to be honest, to be fair to a kid and go, this, this doesn't really cut it. Yeah, I mean, it is hard, especially because they are so young. Speaking to a 16-year-old kid, sometimes it's the first time they've heard someone sort of tell them things like that and give them an awakening in some conversations. Um, they are tough to have. Um, but ultimately, as a coach, you need to be honest with them. You can't set them up for failure in the future. Um, and I think kids come to us and at first they might be a bit shocked by it but like I said in two years time we're hoping that they leave not just a better basketball player but a better person and I think every kid that I've coached at Oakland so far when they've left they've left with something that they're going to remember me by and remember the program by um, and realize that at the time it might have been a bit crazy but we look back and laugh at those conversations now um for example, Louise Rouse that was with us for a couple of years. I obviously had the joy of coaching her um, at WEABL and there were some things that I obviously had tough conversations with her at times. Um, but now she's gone on to Loughborough. She's playing for Leicester Riders and she just messaged me after some games and she's like, I thought of you in this moment and when you said this to me. and um, So it's just cool. It's really cool. It, I know at the time some kids... It's hard to take. I was in the situation, Michael and Lee were my coaches. I had very uncomfortable conversations with them at times where I just wanted to hate them. But now looking back, it made me the person I am and made me such a better player. So it's hard, but I know eventually they're going to learn to love it and learn why I said it and hopefully make them better. So, I mean, it's always that thing with, with coaches and the best coaches, as you said, impact on lives as much as the impact on sporting prowess. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're dealing a lot with teenage girls and it's a tricky, you know, we know it's a tricky age for teenage boys as well. Yeah. <laughs> what's, the, what's the things for you? I mean, you know, obviously with your expanded role this year as well and having come through that, that period not that long ago, what's the challenges and the things that come up most, particularly with that, that age group? that you go, right, we need to do X so that Y happens and they get that life benefit as much as the basketball benefit? Yeah. Well, I think, again, it comes down to trust. Like, you have to build relationship with your players and I think um, some coaches miss that part. You can't demand things of players when you haven't shown them anything of yourself. Um, so because I am player coach at the moment, I feel like that's why I do have such a good relationship with my team is because I can practice what I preach. So um, they know everything I'm demanding from them and everything I'm asking for them. I can sit, sit there and do it myself. Um, so it helps a lot when you've experienced the game and that I'm still playing that I say, okay, we want to play tough and you're not cutting it. And then I can go on the court and show them this is what it is. Um, it just comes with trust, I think. And unless you build that with your players, then why should they sort of listen to you? And why should, do you know what I mean? It's, um, you just have to have the time to learn about them as well, because when they see that you care about them, they're going to care about you and what you're investing into them. So it just makes it a lot easier. 
Um, and yeah, and then you start to see them develop because you're telling them things, they respect you, they want to work hard for you. So you see that development work at a f- faster rate. But if you're just yelling and screaming at them and you haven't got that relationship, they're just not going to listen, are they? And then go home and be like, oh, well, she said this, she said that. And they don't understand it from a human point and why you're trying to do it for them. So There must yeah. be inevitably, though, a huge advantage for you as a female coach. And as a relatively young female coach in terms of the age difference isn't huge there in that there's a lot of issues that I guess can be more comfortable for you to deal with than perhaps if it was an older male coach as was so often the case. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously I haven't mentioned it yet, but obviously I've got Albert, my assistant coach, um, who we sort of, we're like yin and yang. He's, um, (laughs) yeah, I'm like the crazy one, but also the girls can speak to me and, he's sort of got like the tactical one we help each other out in so many different ways and I think the girls get that really good balance between because I am female and I tell them and they can come to me but we've also got Albert within us um they can see the two different dynamics um I think that helps a lot yeah of course that I'm closer to them in age and I've played with most of them before um like Josie and Daisy were even on our team last year so although they're still in the academy I played with them last year just as teammates um so it does help a lot especially with issues when we're talking off court stuff um and that is another way to build a relationship which some coaches don't have the delight to have because I am closer to their age and I'm female um I do have the off court time where I can speak to them about things other than basketball and that's how you can build relationships with people um, so it does massively help, yeah. <laughs> there, there's a clear passion that's coming through here. You, you just listened to you about the coaching. Um, where did it come from? And you know, Was there a light bulb moment where you kind of thought, yeah, that coaching, I'd, I'd quite like to do that? Um, yeah, yes and no. So I started coaching and we have a programme within Oakland's where it's called Elevate, where children come along. Um, we're starting up from like five years old and they come along so I started doing that and obviously loved the kids it was fun for me at the time but as time went on I was like you know what I really want to coach people that like know the game and want to progress in the game how can I help someone um, that was on a similar path that I was on when I was younger Um, and just thought that would be really cool so like I did have a light bulb moment where I was like all right I want to coach, but I don't want to be coaching kids because I want to be coaching performance players that want to go somewhere with basketball um, just to give back because when I was younger, basketball was like the best thing in my life. I created the best friends. Um, it was sort of my go get out. I didn't, I, I mean, I liked school, but I wasn't particularly high academically. So I just looked forward to basketball training every day, sitting in my English class, just couldn't wait to get out. Um, <clears throat> so it's just sort of, I couldn't wait to sort of, watch people go on the journey I've gone on and be able to be a part of that was something that was really cool to me. You're part of Basketball <laughs> England's leadership and performance programme. Um, give us a flavour of what that's involved for you. Yeah, so that's obviously um, been a massive help for me. I've met mentors on the programme, so each person on the programme was um, given a mentor, um, and Drew Spinks from Hemelstorm was one of mine um so he's pretty close so <clears throat> we were able to meet up for coffees i've gone for many chats where i can just pick his brain 
um, which is really cool for me because obviously I have um, Albert, Lee and Michael here at Oakland's, um, Ibrahim, I have different coaches here at Oakland's, but it's cool that I was able to get coaches' opinions outside mm-hmm. of our Oakland's bubble. Um, and that's what the England basketball program really helped me with is just looking into different ways of basketball. Obviously, we have a philosophy and how we want to play here. Um, but talking to people with different philosophies, just opening my mind up to new things was super cool. Um, we got to speak to the Australian team, national team head coach, um, Sandy, which I would never have got the chance to do if I was just here by myself. Um, got chats with Canadian national team coaches, things like that, which opened my eye up to also building connections for myself. So obviously these coaches have built connections with these people to bring them on calls. And I just, it built my brain up to be, I've got to go out there and make these connections too. Um, so it even made me get on my LinkedIn, start up again, um, send some messages on there. So it's just opened my mind to a whole new world of coaching, um, which I'm thankful for. And it was also just cool to be surrounded by a load of other female coaches that have the same vision as me. Um, because it's not really a massive thing here in Britain at the moment that females are head coaches of teams. So it was cool that there was so many other women. I think there was 12 of us overall with sort of the same vision and the same pathway in which we want to lead basketball in this country. I mean, can you, I mean, I mean obviously the, if, even the WBBL, it's still majority male coaches. I mean, can you look to people like Vanessa Ellis in particular is the name that comes to mind and, and sort of, pick up a phone or you know just chat after games I mean is do you sense a sisterhood there or is that something that we need to grow yeah definitely within the program um I feel comfortable enough to pick up the phone to any of the girls that are on the program there's a couple of girls down from Southampton um Christina up in Canterbury Claire Harper like people from all over the place Sarah Wagstaff at Cardiff Mm. um Steph Collins, obviously, I've had a few conversations with her. And I do feel since being on that program and since coming out WBBL coach that a lot more people are open to have chats with me. Um, Not even just for females. I've obviously, I've got Kenrick in Nottingham who I've built a relationship with recently. I was invited to do the England under 18 camp through it and had an awesome time there. so, yeah, it definitely did build a sisterhood for sure. I feel comfortable enough. I'm quite um, an outgoing person anyway. I I would pick up the phone to someone if I wanted to pick up the phone to them. But the responses that I've had from people have been awesome. Um, and, yeah, it is a sisterhood. I do think that we need to sort of meet more often and drive as female coaches that want to do the same thing in this country, drive sort of a pathway that we all want to go down together more. Um, But obviously our lives are so hectic. It's so hard to get a time where we can all make and all sit down for a couple of hours. Um, It would be cool to keep those conversations going. Obviously the programme stopped a few months ago. We are in contact. We still do have our group chat. But like I said, it's so hard to sit down and have those calls regularly. but yeah, I definitely have made some friends and some people that I can pick up the phone to. Um, there's been some games this season, in fact, where I've just been like, I just want another coaches and someone that's not involved here's point of view and had some people pick out the game to me. Um, so it's really cool. It's really helped me and just broadened my mind to making connections 
everywhere really <laughs> you um you went over to the states to, to philly to chestnut hot college chestnut hill mm-hmm. college pardon me and um, so getting that little bit of an, you know, an american education as well um in basketball and you know education education in business etc um yeah i mean did you is there things that you took from there specifically or things even that you learned there that you thought when you came back actually I didn't like that or I don't want to bring that into my my coaching philosophy um regarding things I liked like you mentioned earlier Americans start at such a younger age like the people that I played with had such experience about the game they knew the game everyone had good fundamentals they had been around the game they grew up watching it um that was really cool for me like basketball was such a huge thing out there everyone wants to come to games you know like a social events going to watch the sixes and all your friends want to go which is really cool whereas here it's like one of my friends might like, want to go watch basketball so it's not you know seen as that social thing um so that was something i definitely loved about the states and just every practice was a dogfight. Like, again, I don't know if you've watched me play before, I'm a bit crazy, super competitive, and out there practices were crazy. We'd just go at it every day, and I did like that environment. I thrived in it. I know not everyone does. Um, So taking that and trying to make my practices competitive every day was definitely something that I want to, I just want to have create a team for the people that just work hard and just for every 50-50 ball, it's ours that would be my vision as a coach what I'd want my team to be like great defensively one day be the best defensive team in the league um just being annoying being in your face um but coaching wise I mean I had a couple of coaches when I was out there um I had two different coaches at my college um and they were both very different it is very because it's a more of a business out there it matters if you win and lose games they are more uh what's the word on it about everything like you don't have rooms for mistakes because every mistake meant something to them out there um for example you could be a starter in one game have a bad game and then you don't see the court the next game um for me i understood why they did it obviously they've got their job on the line every single game but for me it's also realizing these players are human like some days your best player might not be on it and that's how it is unfortunately obviously you want to ask for consistency and it's great when players do get to that point but that's something they have to learn um so for me it was do i want to be that harsh because it can mentally put people down if you're a starter and then the next game you don't see the floor like it can ruin some people um so that was also something i was aware i don't want to be you know so cut and blank to my players i want to make sure that they always know why they're playing why they're not playing as much why they're seeing the court if they're not seeing the court why they're not seeing the court whereas out there it was sort of you know you never really knew if you were going to play i wasn't told i didn't have a relationship with coaches where they'd come to me and be like look you need to do this this and this if you do this this and this you're going to play if not you're not going to play um so i learned that i wanted my players to know what i expect of them and if they don't do it then there's going to be consequences um so yeah, it was brutal. <laughs> but again, like I said, the practices I thrived in that um environment. It's just yeah, different things that I would take from coaching that would have made it 
perfect in a way. <laughs> I know one of the noble things that you did when you were at Chestnut Hill was that you worked on the the, the campus newspaper, which, you know, you know, as an alternative trade, I can highly recommend. Um, yeah. <laughs> I know that you've kind of continued a little bit in that vein with, you know, blogging on food. Is, yeah. you know, tell us about this. Is this, is this the alternative <laughs> life for you, you know, the, the alternative passion? I don't know. I've, I've always liked, so I always like taking pictures. It became a bit of a joke, like you've got to take a picture before your food, before you eat it. Um, but I've never been, like, I've never had a proper camera to do, like, big photography and things like that. But because I did communications, um, I know a lot of people, like, on my socials, I have a lot of um, people on my socials that follow me, etc. So I get a lot of people, if I'm out somewhere and I'll post a picture of some food, I get a lot of people responding, like, where are you? Or um, I just saw it as a place there's that market now where you're posting photos and everyone wants to know where you are because it looks cool you know so you can make a blog out of it and obviously because I did do communications and business sort of at college I do have that I know what target audiences are looking at I did a lot of classes about like persuasive methods what people want to see how to grab people um so although we joke about it it is becoming more of a thing where people are like why don't you actually just do it um so we'll see. It could be pending. Stay tuned. <laughs> Hashtag food porn. That's hard. Yeah. So exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Last thing. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, twenty six now. Start of the coaching journey. What's what? what you always say the sky's the limit. Where's where's the sky for you? Um. Oh, the, I think differently every single day about where I want to go. Obviously. I'm happy at Oakland's at the moment, but you don't know what's happening. We don't even know what's going to happen next season. We don't know, you know, what the pathway is going to be. Um, because we're linked with the college, it's basically down to them. So with Oakland's, it just depends how long I can be there for. Um, and obviously with my coaching career, eventually you do want to go elsewhere and learn new things. Um, whether or not that sky's the limit in England for me, I don't know yet. Um, if opportunities come around, I'd love to stay here. But again, if it's a career, I need to make money from it. So can I do that over here? And if I have the opportunity to do so, I would love to. Um, but branching out and exploring other places isn't off the list for me. I love traveling, love seeing new places. Um, got a lot of friends in Australia from playing. So that's also been on my mind. Going back to the States, obviously, you see like, the big time coaches out there and obviously everyone can dream of that um and why not dream you know why not say that i want to be the next gino or the next coach k and make a millions like it obviously is a dream for every coach but um i'm so young i have the time to do it so yeah yeah time is definitely in your sight you're okay for now but you know remember <laughs> yeah. us when you're making millions in 20 years time and going to final fingers crossed, fingers crossed. <laughs> anyway lauren it, great talking to you um continue good luck this season and progress and uh, as was enjoy the christmas break over the next few weeks and um thank you so much for coming on the mvp cast yeah thank you very much that's it for this edition of the mvp, MVP cast if you've not subscribed please do so via your podcast provider you can get all the details at mvp247.com which is also where you'll find our patreon page if you want to support the work that we do and also if you head to the website you can listen to previous episodes of the podcast including our recent ones with Dwayne Lotier Oganlay and Tega Ogadengbe if you want to reach out to me find me on twitter at markbrickball but another edition coming very soon from me Mark Woods thanks so much for listening and it's goodbye